Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Uh, we are continuing in our series, Family Talk. Uh, we're going to be looking at the topic of parenting. Now, where, what have we noted so far in the series? Well, a couple of things, especially of great importance as we head into this talk about parenting, are these. Family is extremely important in the Bible, both in a physical sense as well as a theological sense. In fact, the family is the essential building block of all of human society. And since the, the family is, is God's original design for discipleship, it ought not to be surprising that there is much written throughout the scriptures about families and more specifically about parenting. Now, if you're a parent out there, you'll get this. I was a perfect parent until I became one. Like, I was a perfect parent until I became one. I remember before I was a parent, I would see friends with their children, and I would, in my mind, I wouldn't say it outwardly, but in my mind, I would think things such as, when I'm a parent, I wouldn't fill in the blank. And I'm sure just like me, many of you did the same thing, and we were perfect until we had children. When I became a parent, I immediately felt the weight of the task. I mean, as my children have grown, so too have I as a parent. I remember once my youngest, uh, and it wasn't too long ago, but he made a really big mistake, like it was a big mistake. And later he even came up to me and he thanked me for handling it with such patience. And, and before I knew it, what the words that came to my mouth was, well, thank God, but also thank your two older siblings. And what did I mean by that? Well, we grow as parents, and the seeds that I had planted over the years with his older brother and older sister, he was really reaping the benefit. None of my kids, I don't know about you, but none of my kids came with instruction manuals. All three are different, and if they had, they would need a different instruction manual for each one. However, although they didn't come with an instruction manual, something personally designated for them and how I was to parent them, I'm so thankful that God has always been available to me, and so too has his word, the Bible. And the Bible has much to say about our parenting. In fact, God's word, the Bible, clearly describes God's expectations for parents. And I want to just highlight four. There, there are more in Scripture, but there's at least four expectations that God has for parents that we see repeated over and over and over again in the scriptures. And so let's look at them. Here's the first one. God calls parents to be good role models for their children. God calls parents to be good role models for their children. Uh, look at this encouragement from Proverbs, Proverbs 1.8. It reads this way. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. See, it's true that our, our actions speak louder than our words. Uh, and this is never more true than in our homes. And as we look at Proverbs 1.8, we, we understand that it comes right after the prologue, really, to the entire book of, of Proverbs. In Proverbs uh, 1, 1 through 7, uh, this first section really indicates the importance of, of training in wisdom. Uh, and it includes the instructions uh, that children receive at home from their parents. And so we read in, in just eight verses into the book of Proverbs, hear my son, your father's instructions. Forsake not your mother's teaching. 
See, really, kids learn first and foremost their, their values, their, their morals, their priorities, not just from what they're told, but how their parents model it. They watch. We've heard it said more is caught than taught. And, and so we certainly teach, but we need to understand we teach with our lives. And if parents model a love for and a, and a dependence for God, it's more likely their children will do the same. Now, Proverbs is, is part of the wisdom literature in Scripture. And particularly in Proverbs, it's a book of observations, not a book of promises. And, and so like many of you may know this proverb, train a child in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. That's not a promise. Uh, there are many a good parent out there who's trained a child in the way they should go, and their child has chosen to, to go a different direction, at least for a while. It, it's an observation. It says more times than not. If you train a child in the way they should go, they will not depart from it. And so as we're modeling for our children, there's, there's this observation that when we're modeling this dependence on God, the importance of God in our life, that more times than not, our children will choose to follow that example. We also learned that God calls parents to train their children in the art of decision-making to really train them, and I, I call it the art of decision-making. There's, there's not a whole lot of science behind it. Uh, it's really an art form. It's something we learn as we practice. We get better and better at decision-making, as certainly we, we take the advice of others and, and learn from proper decision-making practices, but it's something that as we practice, we come better at. So it's an art, and, and we're to train our children in the art of decision-making. We gain this insight from the book of Numbers. Numbers 31 and 2. Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel, saying, This is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swells an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. I, I mean, this makes sense. We should be people who, who keep our word, who... who who say something, and, and when we say it, we're going to follow up on it. But what's very interesting to me is under Islam, under Israelite law, Israelite law, but under Israelite law, parents could overrule their children's vows. In other words, if a child made a commitment, the parent could come along and say, he shouldn't have said that. He's not having to keep his word in that situation. This helped children avoid the consequences of of making foolish promises or costly commitments. Now, what this implies here is that children ought to seek and parents ought to provide help in making decisions. From the earliest age, that, that, that children should, should learn what it means to seek their parents' help in making decisions, and parents should be teaching and providing their kids what's necessary for them to make decisions so when they become adults, They've, they've successfully understood the art of decision-making. Now, this doesn't mean that parents should not allow their children to learn from their mistakes. We, we shouldn't bail them out of every bad decision or, or consequence. Instead, it realizes that, again, decision-making is an art. It's something that's learned. And, and parents are called to, to, to train their kids, to teach their kids how to master this art of decision-making. Let me give an example. If you've ever been around a toddler, 
You know, the toddler are new, learning new things all the time. We're all learning things new all the time. But especially toddlers, you know, as they, as they start to walk, I mean, there's a whole new world that they're able to see and grab a hold of. There are things they notice that they didn't notice when they were crawling, or at least they didn't notice when they were babies just being, you know, snuggled in the parents' arms. But now as toddlers, they're, they're going around. I mean, they're, 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 they're investigating. And, and one of the things we all know that we have to be cautious of is like light sockets. Like, we don't want toddlers investigating light sockets, you know? And I guess there's a couple ways we could teach them to do that. You could give them a metal knife and let them figure it out on their own. You know, they get a shock, and, and hopefully they're not too injured, and you go, well, I bet you won't do that again. Of course, if, if your toddler's anything like I'm sure I was, because sometimes I have to learn the lesson over and over again, that would be a cruel punishment, right? The better way is what? First of all, to child-proof your house. Let me, let me say that again, child-proof your house. But the second thing is what? To, to, to loving and yet sternly, when they, when they start to get close to one, say, no, 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 that could hurt you. Don't do that. We're teaching them. And, and, and as our children get older, certainly they spread their wings more and more, but we should be our goal should be by the time they leave our house, but they have a good understanding of the art of decision-making. This is the point. Parents are called to help their children learn how to make good decisions. That means as they grow, you've got to give them more leeway. They're going to make mistakes, but you want to make sure that they have enough room to learn, to grow, but you're not giving them so much room that they could really hurt themselves. So that when they finally leave the home, you can say they have the tools they need. They, they, they have to choose whether they're going to use them or not. But we as parents make the decision to say, I want to train them in the art of decision making. Look at this one. God calls parents to teach their children the scriptures and how to apply God's word to their lives. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when they sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. We know God in part through the Bible. We learn how to walk with him by understanding and applying his words to our lives. We, we are to ask the Holy Spirit as we, as we approach God's word to say, Spirit, Give me wisdom as I look at the word of God to, to know him, to make him known, to, to walk in the truths of these words. And our purpose in asking the Spirit to help us master Scripture is so that God will literally master us. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, is this command is, is for a heart that is totally loves the Lord and experience the effects of their relationship with him. Through every time and every place and and every activity, there's this wholeness about this relationship we have with God. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a morning prayer thing. That we're aware that we're with God and he's with us 24-7. And if we want our children to love God and follow him, it's crucial that we as parents make God a part of our everyday experience. I remember when my my second child, Jake, was, was young. I'm not sure exactly how old he was, but he was old enough where he had to sit in the back seat. I don't believe he was in a car seat, but he was in a back seat. 
And we were driving, heading someone, somewhere. It was just him and me. And, and as we were going, an ambulance drove by us. And I heard him sort of murmuring a little bit. And I said, I said, Jake, what are you doing? And he said, I'm praying. I'm praying for the person in that ambulance. And I thought that was one of the coolest things as a parent I'd ever seen. I asked him, I said, so what made you think of that? And he said, well, Dad, you know, I've seen you pray for people who are hurting, and, and I just thought someone in that ambulance is probably hurting, or at least they're going to get someone who's hurting, and I should be praying for them. What's super cool is that Jake now is like his early 20s. And if you're with him and driving down the road and ambulance passes, guess what he still does? He still prays. I love that. I love that. He caught that. He understood that, that God is with him and, and that he can pray that God will be with somebody else. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. When all of us acknowledge it, God, you're with me 24-7. There's a rich reality about our faith that God indwells us, that the spirits within us, and, and we don't have to wait until we're in some holy posture or, 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 or in a gathering of other Christians. We can be experiencing God, do all the things of life. And we want our children to catch that. Parents are called to make an effort to teach their children to see God in, in all aspects of life. Then the last one we'll look at, the last scriptural call for parents, is that God calls parents to seek his will for their children. I, I want to take you to an interesting passage in Scripture, Matthew 20, verses 20 and 21. It says, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with, their, with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at the right side and one at your left side when you're in your kingdom. I, I think this is, is such a picture of a mother's heart for her boys. She comes up to the Lord, she, she humbles himself before him, and what does she ask? Honor my kids. May my kids be with you. Now, I think we can acknowledge that this mom probably didn't really understand what she was asking. In fact, we could even argue that her question is out of line in many ways. But what we can't question is her heart. Number one, she's, she's looking out for her son. She wants what's best for them. And then secondly, she wants them close to Jesus, which is never a bad prayer. Lord, may my kids always be close to you. And here's my point. Simply put, a parent ought to desire for God's specific will for their children. That's the mother's mistake. She didn't really say, Jesus, what's your will for my boys? And may that be fulfilled. And I think as parents, sometimes we can get so wrapped up into our desire for our kids that we forget that the most important thing is God's desire for our kids. And God's will for our children may not be glamorous, but it's always important. It's always important. Parents are, are to want God's will to be done in their children's lives above everything else. Above everything else. From before each of my three children's birth and before now my granddaughter's birth, and I have a grandson on the way, so yes, church family, you're going to be hearing more and more about grandchildren. I, I began praying for them. And I began praying, of course, all the normal parent prayers, right? 
these parent prayers of keep them healthy, be with mom, may mom be healthy. But then I always pray, may, may my children and my grandchildren, may they come to an early saving knowledge of you. Just this awareness of your presence. May they want to serve you with the rest of their lives. May they, may they just want your will accomplished. I think that's the greatest prayer a parent can pray. I think that's the greatest prayer any of us could pray for ourselves and anyone else. Parents are to want God's will done in their children's lives above everything else. As a Christ follower and parent, I have to say it again, I'm so thankful that God is always available to me. I'm thankful for his word, the Bible, that's always available to me. He and his word are there for you, too. So as we remember God's call in our life, specifically these four that we've looked at together, that God calls us as parents to be good role models for our children, but he wants us to train our children to be good decision makers, to understand the art of decision making, that he calls us to teach our children the scriptures and how to apply God's word to their lives, that he calls us to, to seek God's will for them and really to teach them how to seek God's will for themselves. This is of course, not an exhaustive list, but it lists at least four things that we see over and over and over again in Scripture. This four calls that God puts upon parents. But I also want to encourage you. If you're a parent, a caregiver, a spiritual parent pouring into spiritual children, I want you to know none of us are perfect. You may be saying, well, how does that encourage me? Well, first of all, may you know you're, never, you're not alone, you know, but you're a part of a huge group of parents. None of us are perfect. None of us are, are perfect. But you may ask, how, how then is this encouraging? You're, you're not alone in your struggle, but you're also not alone because God is with you. God is with you. And although none of us are perfect parents, we have the availability to be perfected by God. I heard a uh, a proverb some time ago. It's not a biblical proverb, but it's a proverb all the same. It's, it's this. When is the best time to plant a tree? Ten years ago. When is the second time, best time? Today. So, so no matter what your past is, today, today God is calling us to follow him, to, to be the parents he's called us to be today. Remember, in the end, the greatest gift we can give our children is modeling what it looks like to really surrender ourselves to God, to seek his wisdom, and to commit all things to him, including our, our parenting, including our children. It's said this, that God doesn't, uh, doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And maybe like me, when you became a parent, you thought, I am not equipped for this. You're in good company. But as you grow in Christ, as you grow as a parent, he is so faithful to equip us in our calling. God doesn't, doesn't uh, expect us to figure this out on ourselves. God desires to equip us. He desires to empower us. He, he desires to lead us in our parenting. And so really, the best posture that, that any of us can take as a parent is a humble one. Humble one. Committing ourselves to God, seeking his allowing him to direct our steps. It's such a privilege to be called uh, by God to, to, to invest in the lives of children. It, it, it's a sacred trust. 
And again, I'm so thankful we don't do it alone. We have one another, and more importantly, we have God, and we have his word. Now, I've invited a friend of mine to, to come up and, and, and to let me interview him. He's graciously said yes, and so since we are in this world of marvelous technology, um, I'm just simply going to clap my hands, and we're going to go to that interview. Okay, you ready for that? Well, I'm excited to be sitting down with my friend and colleague, uh, Brian Soler. He is our family pastor here at Crosswinds, as well as a husband and father. And so, Brian, you know, I've sort of said a few things about you, um, but what would you add to that? Yeah, uh, I mean, you pretty much covered all the bases. We're best friends, uh, which you mentioned. And uh, I am a father to uh, my wonderful little boy, Charlie, who's two and a half, and Becca, my wife. We've been married for almost eight years this August. And a cool thing about that is she's Canadian. So I inherited like a ton of international family, which has been a lot of fun. And the last thing that you need to know about me is I am a staunch Buffalo Bills fan. And so it makes working with somebody who is a number 12 fan a little tough. So, <laughs> Oh, goodness. I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> well, Brian, you just mentioned you're a newer father. Yeah. And so uh, what, what has surprised you most so far on your fathering journey? Yeah, that, that's a loaded question because there's so much that has surprised me. But uh, one thing that's been kind of recently developed, something that I've known for a long time, but, and I don't know if you felt this too, but before I had a child, something I heard was, you were going to understand God's love for you so much more after you have a kid. And so there I am in the delivery room, and my friend had just had a baby recently, and he was talking about this amazing new love that he, uh, or this new perspective of God's love that he has for himself and God's creation and all that. And Charlie's born, and I'm like, having this moment of not feeling that yet. He, he kind of became like an intruder into my home and took all my wife's attention for the first little while. And so I felt guilty. I just, I didn't know what that was, but God's done something really cool in two and a half years. And he's really given me this healthy perspective of his love for me, God's love for me and his creation. And nothing more uh, has been kind of revealed in that than as recently as Charlie, who's now two and a half, he's become incredibly disobedient, uh, just testing all the boundaries. And it was as recently as yesterday, at dinner table, uh, he was drinking his water cup and he's really into throwing things right now. And so I looked right at him, I said, Charlie, please don't throw that. And he stared me dead in the eye. He just chucked it across the table. And so many times when I'm in God's word and I'm reading, uh, God is communicating to me what to do. And I look right at God and I do the exact same thing that he told me not to do. And I think before I had Charlie, I always viewed that God kind of pulled his love away from me a little bit mm -hmm. when I did that. But after having Charlie, like nothing that he's done so far has allowed me to remove my love from him. And so it's given me this really cool, this, that imagery that I was longing for that I'd never experienced before I had a, a child. I'm, I'm now feeling, which is really cool. So I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty. And of course, there's always those moments then where you, where you think to your own father, right? Sorry. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, you go back I'm a lot an apology just, to her. apologize yeah. for things you can't even remember you did. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, in the message I just shared, uh, I talk about God's call to parents, and I just highlight four of them. I mean, if you look through scriptures, tons of them. Um, but four seem to be repeated over and over again. Sort of that call to be a good role model, you know, to help your children uh, learn the art of becoming a decision maker, uh, teaching them not just the scriptures, but how to study the scriptures for themselves and then apply it to their life. Um, and then uh, really, what does it mean to seek God's will for our children, but also to help them seek God's will for them? And so there's four of them there. Uh, pick one of them and, and uh, just sort of describe how you're starting to, you know, two-and-a-half-year-old Charlie, how you're starting to work with him on one of those uh, calls that God gives us as fathers. 
Yeah, and uh, so yeah, after hearing those, I was thinking through all of them, and I would say some of those, all four are now in play. Sure. But some of those weren't really in play when Charlie was an infant. You know, there's only so much I could do to you know instruct, but all of them are now happening. But I think from day one, a decision that I, I really wanted to make as a follower of Jesus's was I wanted to be a good role model for Charlie. I never wanted Charlie to grow up and to have uh, a, a bad perspective of a Christian, of a follower of Jesus's, because his dad gave him one. And so I knew that from the first day, you know, when he came out of the womb, I mean, his eyes were open. He was looking at everything. And from that day, he's been observing everything. And so I think, you know, just the way that I interact with my wife, Becca, who is his mom, that's a big deal. He's watching that. He's taking that all in. How I uh, help around the house, you know, how I respond to tragedy or how I respond to things that frustrate me or the things that I'm looking at on, uh, you know, my phone or on the TV while he's watching, that all matters. And he's also noticing uh, the pull between my time and I've got that little device in my pocket known as the iPhone. And it's so easy to pull that out when he's right in the living room, but he's, he's seeing all that. And so I think like for me, uh, ever since he was born, that's been something that I've been really focusing on and really mindful of is I just want Charlie to have a, a role model of, a, of somebody who follows Jesus, like literally follows Jesus. I don't want to put the label on myself as Christian per se. I want him to be able to look at his dad and say, man, my dad followed Jesus and he tried his best. In no way am I perfect and I've, I've fallen so many times uh, along the way. But I think that's where I'm at right now is just that role modeling because he's taking everything in. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, there's nothing more affirming than when our children mo- you know, follow our model when it's good Yeah. and nothing more of an uh-oh moment <laughs> well, when we see them when we go, oh, no. Yeah. I do that too, you know, and so there's just that, that, that importance to always keep in front of our, our minds that we are modeling for our kids, right? Yeah. Well, as your role as family pastor, you know, how do you see crosswinds um, coming alongside parents, you know, and especially as we're talking about fathers, coming alongside fathers or, or those pouring into these kids? How, how do you see us coming alongside them in, in their parenting journey? Yeah, uh, I think, like, ideally, the church would not be spiritual primary yeah. or wouldn't have to be that. But I know your own story, Craig. The church was spiritual primary, and you came to faith before your mom and dad, which yeah, is ten years, which yeah. is crazy. So we know that that's a reality, and so we're not going to like hide from that. The church is the spiritual primary in a lot of kids and teens and young adults' lives. That's just the reality of the world we live in. But I think in a you know the preferred method is if parents kind of own that that sense of spiritual primary, and so we would love and we have loved and want to continue to. Uh, support, encourage, equip, and train parents to do the hard job that they have of raising their kids up in faith and modeling and teaching and showing all of those things. And so uh, in no way are we saying as even pastors at Crosswinds that we have this all figured out and we're the experts. But what we have that's really cool here is a collection of unique voices from all different walks of life and uh, you know, all, just this beautiful body of, of the church that gets to walk alongside of families. I think that's why the, the community of faith is so special because it's a community yes. and it's not doing this alone. And so, you know, I, I remember the first time that we, we really prayed together as a family with Charlie and that was a weird moment. And I'm an ordained pastor and it shouldn't be weird, right? But it is. And those times where you're walking down the street and you bring up conversations of faith with your kids, those are strange moments. But the more that you do them, the more they become normal. Yes. And we want to help parents and encourage them and show them all the ways in which they can do what God has called them to do. Yeah, parenting something that we grow in. Yeah. And so you're right. The more we do the things that we know we should do, uh, the more natural they become. And uh, I, I think on a baby dedication, one of the things we do, we, we talk to the parents, but then we talk to the church family. Oh, yeah. And we look at them and we say, you know, are you willing to be a model? 
you know, to come alongside the parents and be a part of that modeling that we can do and be there for one another. I think it's a beautiful part about being a part of the church, right, is that all of us together get to help uh, one another in all of our journeys, but especially as parents, I know, uh, over the years, I've pulled from those who have gone before me and have had to go and ask them, hey, well, how did you deal with this? And, you know, show mm-hmm. me what you think the Lord would, would lead me in this situation. It's just a powerful thing to know you're not alone. Yeah. So, so lastly, what encouragement, you know, and this, this is totally a loaded question. It's a big question. Uh, what encouragement would you simply give the parents? You know, if you had just one word of encouragement, because uh, we know parenting isn't easy. Uh, they don't, they don't come with, our children don't come with instruction manuals. And if they did, they would have to have one individual one for each child. Each child is different. just want to encourage you with that. But, yeah, every one that comes is different. Um, but what encouragement would you give the parents? What if I told you I had to do something with the Lion King? That's awesome. Go for it. So we we watched The Lion King recently with Charlie, which, by the way, I didn't realize how graphic that movie was. (laughs) And we were like, oh, I don't know if he should have watched that at two and a half. But anyway, yeah, he's just sleeping. But, you know, uh, stay with me. But Simba lives kind of in this guilt of something that he thought he did, where he, you know, was the reason why his dad died. And Rafiti is this character that shows up and uh, is trying to help him understand that he's not a product of his past type thing. And um, uh, uh, Simba says that he, you know, he can't get over what, what he did. And uh, he says, well, the past is in the past. And he smacks him upside the head with a stick. I don't know if you remember that scene. And, and Simba said, oh, that hurt. And Rafiti said, well, it's in the past. And he goes, but it hurts. And he goes, yes, the past hurts. So you can either choose to live in the past or you can learn from it and move on. Mm-hmm. And I think my encouragement to parents would be, and even I've done it in two and a half years of parenting, is I've messed up. I've made mistakes in my parenting as a, as a follower of Christ. I've done all those things. And you can live in that or you can learn from it with God's help, be transformed, and move on. I love 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, you are a new creation in Christ. And something that a spiritual mentor once told me is that that's new every day for you. You are a new creation of Christ every single day. And so the mistakes that you may have made, because I know I'm talking to parents that have teenagers or adult, you know, young adults that are even out of the house by now or brand new parents all over the spectrum is, you're going to make mistakes. You probably have made mistakes. Go to God, receive, you know, give the, forgive the, uh, receive the forgiveness that you need to uh, receive and, and on the earthly level too, but then move on and do what God's called you to do. And so that'd be my encouragement. Yeah, parenting is ridiculously hard. It's probably the hardest thing you'll ever have to do. And what a privilege too. Yeah. It's the hardest job you'll ever love. I can't remember where that came from, some commercial way back. But I, mean, <laughs> I think it's true. You know, it, it's a powerful thing. And I just want to take some time, Brian, just to pray for the fathers out there, pray yeah. for the spiritual parents out there. Some. You know, just men pouring into um, others, and because uh, it isn't easy, you know. And it, it's one thing to think about keeping your eyes on Christ for yourself personally. We know how that is, but then the added um, weight in, in, uh, of saying, "Well, I'm doing that for me, but I'm doing that for my children. I'm doing that for everyone else who's watching." Mm-hmm. Um, our witness matters, and and God is in that. He's full of grace. We're not going to be perfect with it, uh, but nor does it mean that we should be relaxed about it. No, yeah. we should really so if you will, let's, let's pray together. Let's just pray yeah. for, for our dad. Father God, thank you so much for every father um, out there. And again, I'm not just talking about biological fathers. I'm talking about spiritual fathers. I'm praying over every man who pours into somebody else. And God, I pray that um, they would just be able to know that they're not alone. Uh, first of all, and what's most important, you are with them. Uh, but Lord, we're here together. Uh, we journey together as your church, and we're here to encourage each other and our Father, and we're here to encourage each other in our walk with you. And, and I just pray your strength on the dads. Lord, we live in a culture where 
even on TV, many of the father figures are, are portrayed so negatively. And yet, Father, you don't see us that way. You put us in a role that, that is significant. Um, you equip us for that role. Uh, we weren't equipped before you called us, but when you called us, you equip us. And I just pray that we would just rest in, in your wisdom, that, God, you would direct us, and that we would rest in your grace. None of us are perfect. And, and Lord, yes, sometimes we need to humble ourselves and ask forgiveness of our children and others when, when we drop the ball. But Lord, thank you for being a forgiving God. Thank you for a God of second chances. And thank you for the reminder that Brian shared, because we are a new creation in you. And you're doing something new even today. And so may our yesterdays not hold us back uh, from being what you've called us to be today and what you're empowering us to be today. And, and also may our successes in the past not allow us today to sit back and think our job is done. As long as we're taking breath, you're using us to make a difference in the lives of others. Uh, may we uh, receive that soberly. Uh, may we receive that understanding what a privilege it is and how much we need you in order to fulfill that call. Thank you, Lord God, and for all that you do, for all that you call us to, for the walk we have with you and for our children. In Christ's name, amen. Brian, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.